Welcome to Riding the Waves of Life, a Boundary Family Services podcast. Welcome, Boundary Families. Today, we have Vanessa Miller here joining us. She's going to be talking about nutrition in families. Uh, She has a degree in nursing, she's a certified personal trainer, she's a nutrition counsellor, and she also works here at Boundary Family Services as a child and youth counsellor. So welcome, Vanessa. Thank you for having me. Uh, So today we are going to talk about nutrition, which is a really important uh, subject for all families. There's lots of different trials and tribulations that go along with nutrition for adults and for children both. Absolutely. Nutrition is a bit of a tricky concept. I think we have a lot of um, stories about nutrition. We have a lot of different avenues for getting information about nutrition. It can all be very overwhelming for a lot of families. And yeah, like you said, it's pretty important. You know, I think too often we underestimate the impact of food and nutrition on our mental health and our lifestyle and, and all the rest of it. So yeah. I'm passionate about it, especially in families, because I think if we can start at a young age, you know, using the influence of good nutrition, we're really, you know, setting a foundation for for quality life and quality lifestyle for our kids. But yeah, that often means making some changes ourselves, which can be tricky. And it's also teaching as a parent, teaching our children about relationship with food. Yes. There is a lot surrounding relationship with food and how we use food as a tool in our lives. Because, yes, it's, you know, sustenance for us. We need to eat food to survive. But on the other hand, there's a lot of emotional attachment to food that gets created too, right? Absolutely. I would say in nutrition counseling, we start off with a lot of my, the women that I work with, I work predominantly with women, we look at the content and sure we look at the nutritional value of a lot of the food and and you know where we can make some changes but after that oh it's a an emotional roller coaster what stories do we have around food what relationship do we have with food what does food really mean for us what comfort you know societal conditioning fitting in being afraid to be different or make a stink about your food um what did your mom cook for you when you were sick it can be a drug, you know, it can be something that a lot of people are addicted to, too. So yeah, it's content, but also relationship for sure. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we use sugars as a reward a lot of time. And all parents do that, right? Oh, if you do this, we're gonna go get a treat. Yeah. Um, Or if you finish your dinner, we're gonna have dessert. Yeah. And that sort of, and we've all done it. Yeah. (laughs) And I've, I've thought about that in the past of doing that, and it's um, almost putting sugar on a pedestal, which mm-hmm. it shouldn't be, right? It should just be a part of the food dynamic, not, yeah. not different than anything else. Uh, but we all get stuck in that because we are all raised with that too, right? Do you have any thoughts about that? Absolutely. You know, food becoming... We start to attach some sort of morality to food when we use it as reward, when we use it 
yeah, or we think like we might even say this is a treat and and this is bad food, this is good food. Now suddenly our behavior around food or our relationship with food is good or bad. So there's that morality piece that gets put in there. And whenever we use the word treat, we're kind of charging a food. Uh, exactly like you said, we put it on a pedestal. What I often do with my daughter is I say, why would I treat you with something that's not going to like give good vibes in your body, right? So a real treat is, for me, is something that actually helps me thrive and feel better. So we kind of reflect on, is that candy bar actually a treat? If it makes you feel kind of crummy or it does, you know, inflammation or damage to your body, not really. We wouldn't call that a treat. We would call it, you know, something that you're not eating very often you know, we try to neutralize the words as much as part of, as much as possible. So I might even say to my older clients, like something that's not in alignment or something that's not, you know, doesn't help you thrive, but you're choosing to eat it and enjoy it. So whatever. Um, but calling it a treat or a cheat day, you know, all that kind of language around it really charges the food. And the more neutral we can be about it, I think the better. I yeah. really like that. Yeah. Yeah, recognizing what it actually does for your body versus Mm -hmm. the emotional attachment behind it, right? Absolutely. You know, separating those. Because I was going to ask you, you know, for children, what would you, do you have any other, any tools that you would do instead? Yeah. That parents could use, so. 100%. When it comes to sugar or even, (laughs) my daughter always gets really bad gas after eating movie theater popcorn. (laughs) So we just reflect on it. You know, I don't have to say you're not going to get popcorn because it's bad for you. But just over the time, she's wanted to have the popcorn. And then we just say, how did that popcorn make you feel? Oh, you got popcorn tooth. Oh, my belly hurts. And we just keep talking about it. And now she chooses not to have popcorn typically when we go. Or, you know, we'll pick something else. Yeah. So the more we can just allow them to reflect on how that food is making them feel it takes us out of the equation I mean of course as a parent you have to make some nutrition choices for your children obviously you can't just let them otherwise it would just be ice cream and whatever all day I'm sure (laughs) Uh, so you are responsible to provide um, you know a nutritional landscape for them but in those instances where they're making choices or there's you know, I'm quoting air quotes, cheat or treats around, just inviting reflection on how it's going to make them feel. Or when they ask you, like, I really want this sucker. Well, last time you had it before bed, remember we had a bit of a meltdown or, you know, something else occurred. Is that something we want to invite again? And they may say, sure. Yeah, I I don't care. I'm going to eat the sucker. And then you just keep reflecting on it. Or they might decide, yeah, maybe not. Or you can say, how about, yeah, we just try one tonight or whatever. Yeah. 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 So that's another strategy. Also for myself and my own life and what I've kind of coached some other parents, you know, like parades or Halloween or places where there's lots of treats, you know, offering trade-ins for things that are Mm -hmm. more, that still might not you know, for my daughter, we don't buy a ton of Lara bars or um, she really loves candied salmon or like a little more nutrition density stuff that still might not be eaten all the time in our house. So she'll trade in her candy for some of that stuff. Um, well, that's a good idea. Trading yeah. it for something that 
they also equate with something that they enjoy, enjoy but it right. has a bit more nutrition to it. Exactly. Because there has been, like, for Halloween and stuff, there's the Switch Witch, where they, yeah. you know, get a toy or something that they enjoy for trading the candy. That We've mm-hmm. also done at our house, we buy the candy. That, yeah. So we actually give them the choice. We're like, you can sell us as much as your candy as you'd like. They're, you know, five cents a candy. So you can make your choice. You're like, do you want to make some money or do you want to eat your candy? Yeah. But we also do the dentist recommended eat it all at once. Yes. Don't have it over time. Like just if you're going to eat it, eat it and then you're done. Totally. (laughs) Yeah. And we did that too when my daughter was like three, I think. And then once again reflected yeah. on the tummy ache yeah. afterwards <laughs> and, uh, you know, and just as much as it pains me as a nutrition counselor and a nurse to be like, oh my gosh, she's eating so much garbage right now, but trying to stay neutral yeah. and non-reactive to her experience and then just reflective yeah. upon it afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, <laughs> I know it's so hard watching them ply all that sugar into their little bodies. Oh, man. You're like... Oh my god. Yeah. How are they still eating it? <laughs> totally. It's just like I couldn't eat that yeah. much. <laughs> I feel sick watching. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and I think it's important to to mention too that I mean, if we didn't already know, sugar is one of the most inflammatory substances we can consume. It lights up all the same centers in our brain as cocaine does. Um, it's, so it's highly addictive, highly inflammatory, um, and unfortunately super prevalent in so many processed foods. It's hidden in, you know, salad dressings mm-hmm. and so many other sneaky ways. So yeah, I don't think we need to demonize foods on this podcast, but just that little plug that sugar really is not a treat. <laughs> no, and it is everywhere. And our brains, you know, from when we're born, breast milk is very yeah, sweet, sweet. Yeah. right? And and so then your brain is trained to enjoy sugar. Like yeah. it, it, there's the connection between the hormonal connection and the sugar connection, but that's there for a reason yeah. so that you'll thrive. And gain weight. And, and gain weight yeah. and do all and those things, eating. right? Yeah. But then, you know, once fr- high fructose corn syrup and all those highly processed sugars came along, then it just, you know. Totally. Totally. And, you know, when we're eating fruits, we're eating it with fiber so it doesn't shock our bloodstream. Um, And, you know, if you look way back, you know, if you're looking at a, you know, the evolution of food, you know, caveman days or, or, you know, foraging days, fruit and and berries and things like that weren't available to us all year round. So we have, yeah, breast milk sweet for a reason. Sure, when it's warm, we have the berries because we might be not eating as much because we're more active and we're, we're needing some of that stuff. But now sugar is just so readily available in absolutely everything that we're as a society and overdoing it a little bit. Yeah. And yeah. there is an addiction to it. Too. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Which makes it harder to go off of it. I remember when I had to go on a candida diet. Yeah. So it's, huh. it's, it's like a diabetic diet pretty much. Yep. And you cut like even the starch carbs mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was miserable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but afterwards, I was on that diet for, I think, like three months or more. 
I found myself not able to eat processed sugar anymore. Yeah. Like when I put it in my mouth, I'd immediately get cysts in my mouth and mm-hmm. I would I would feel gross and like I just didn't get the same feeling anymore. And I was like, oh, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> Your body's body. telling you. Yeah. I trained my body to like recognize it now. Yeah. I mean, of course, over time you train it back. To, yes. <laughs> you yeah. Know, but. But how, what a cool experiment, and Mm -hmm. to see in that, when you first reintroduced it, like, this is how my body responds to it, and then we kind of dull that response Mm -hmm. as we continue to introduce it, but, like, that's a pretty stark realization about what sugar can do to your body. I remember I broke it with a chocolate donut that had chocolate icing on it, and I took my first bite, and I'm like... This is so disappointing. Yeah. This is not what I was hoping for. <laughs> yeah. Totally. You know, and you bring up a good point because one of the important things about, you know, I talked about laying the foundation for our children and providing that nutritional landscape. It's not always going to be perfect, but what we're really after is training their palate. Mm-hmm. So the less we offer these like highly processed or highly sweet tasting foods, the less they're going to expect that or or want that. So if if the majority of their diet isn't that sweet, they start to, you know, recognize the sweetness of the blueberries, you know, recognize the tastiness of, of I'm going to air quote again here, you know, blander foods. Mm-hmm. But if that becomes the norm for them, then they're not bland to them. If processed foods become the norm and highly, you know, high sugar foods, high salt fat, you know, deep fried foods are the norm, you know, good luck giving them a salad or good luck having them choose salads or Mm -hmm. veggie dense stuff as they get older because their palate's been trained to want those other items. So the important work in childhood is just sort of training that palate so when I make energy bars at home or 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 do some of that stuff I purposely won't have it as sweet um my daughter uh for a long time we would make breakfast was um we called it pumpkin pie and she thought it was pumpkin pie she still thinks it's the most amazing thing and it's literally pumpkin puree so not pie filling but Mm -hmm. just plain pumpkin puree with some collagen proteins and some nut butter and some cinnamon and we'll warm it up and it's kind of like a fun consistency but it's not sweet at all and she just thinks it's the bee's knees yeah yeah that's awesome yeah it's like a pudding totally yeah yeah Yeah. so that's awesome that's great so I, I raised my kids I, I did just fruit sugars to sweeten things and stuff like that. So they, when they were little, that's what they got. But as they got older, they try, they got to try more of the processed stuff. So of course now it's like, they do love ice cream, obviously. Mm-hmm. Almost everybody does. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, chocolate bars and those things. But even today they were telling me, they're like, I don't like honey on its own. Hmm. It's, it's too sweet. Yes. And I was like, oh, cool. Yeah. You know? You're like, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mom win. <laughs> well, and I remember reading a study a long time ago that was about what you feed your children when they're kids is more than likely going to be their food that they eat as an adult. Yes. And there's the in-between time when they're a teenager and a young adult where mm-hmm. they might eat a bunch of junk. But they end up going back to whatever diet they had as a kid. 
There's actually a study that talks about um, pre-them even being born. So while you're pregnant, whatever your lifestyle was like when you were pregnant, that child is more likely to have that same lifestyle when they're in their mid-20s to 40s, like in their, yeah, early adult years. That's amazing. Isn't that cool? That is. That's a lot of pressure as a parent. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Especially when you're pregnant and you're like, but all I want is... Yeah. Blizzards and I think yeah. I ate a lot of frozen yogurt. So yeah. yeah, I had one. My second, she. I always just wanted nachos. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I tried to eat healthy food. Yeah, and I did, but it was like I was not satisfied. Yeah. <laughs> no, I feel yeah. I'm actually lactose intolerant, but I think I had frozen yogurt almost every night. Oh so. no! <laughs> my my body was cra- actually yeah. my body did a really weird thing. I that's all I craved, and I tolerated dairy really well during my pregnancy. Mm, yeah. And then, and I've always missed cream in my coffee. And so day three postpartum, put that cream in that coffee, and the lactose intolerance was back. And oh I, no! I cried. <laughs> Oh, I bet you did. Oh. But sometimes the body has that wisdom, you know, and, yeah. and that's really, you know, just as a little aside, like intuitive eating is 100% what most of my work entails because we got to listen to and trust our bodies. So again, when we reflect on, well, how did how does that honey make you feel? Well, it's too sweet and it makes me feel kind of sick to my stomach or I feel a little crazy or then I have temper tantrums or, mm-hmm. you know, it applies to children. We can reflect back to them and then it applies to us. When we're really present with our food, what do we notice? Um, I choose not to eat dairy because it makes me feel like garbage. But sometimes we just don't want to look at that. So that intuitive eating really, the body's way wiser than we are or what any diet can tell you, right? Um, Instagram tells you to follow keto or to do whatever. Your body knows what you need, but sometimes we just want to, we want an external party because it seems a bit easier. Yeah. So intuitive eating is, requires a little more work. Body is so different too, right? Like when I was on the candida diet, I learned my body really needs carbohydrates. Like yeah. I burn a lot yeah. doing nothing. Totally. So if I don't have carbohydrates, I'm a really horrible person to be around because I am deficient and I'm hungry all the time. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I, I can't do that. Yeah. I have to have carbohydrates. Absolutely. Yeah. Different metabolisms, different lifestyles, yeah. different goals, so much plays into our nutrition so yeah yeah there's no one size fits all for sure and for intuitive eating too there are studies about the gut microbiome like that's been Mm -hmm. like a big bigger thing now and where that's a lot of where your cravings come from because they need a diverse diet to survive and have a diverse microbiome too and I find that interesting teaching my children that yeah because they think about there's a whole other I kind of like it's a city that lives inside their body Mm -hmm. and it's like you have the city living inside your body that gets nutrients from your food so you're actually like feeding them and keeping them alive so when you have a craving say for like a certain vegetable or fruit or whatever they want that's them telling you what they want to eat that's so cool (laughs) it's almost like they have a pet they have to take care of (laughs) Ah, i like that (laughs) yeah 
And like, what would they, what would help them thrive? Yeah. And yeah. That's yeah. so cool. I yeah. like that approach. Yeah. And it makes it more imaginative and all yeah. the things, right? Yeah. Of course, you don't want to like scare your kid and being like, you have this thing that lives inside you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's going to get real angry. Yeah. <laughs> It's going to show you how angry it is with diarrhea. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good. Oh, I love that approach. Another sort of facet of it that um, might also be a tough one uh, for parents is modeling. Yes. And that it's so important. And yes, can we maybe metabolize certain foods with a little more ease or emotional regulation than they can probably um but unfortunately if if they're not allowed to have candy or ice cream but they see that you're doing it the message then gets kind of skewed Mm -hmm. um and we sort of start to attach like age to food or morality Mm -hmm. again or all that stuff or because i because mom ate all of her veggies she gets to have ice cream and you don't and and then the relationship with food changes. Yeah. So this is a tough one for a lot of people, but modeling that is mm-hmm. is really important. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a vein that runs through all of parenting. Mm-hmm. Is, you know, you want to... Oh, yeah. You want to model being treated the way that you want to be treated, yeah. which is so hard as parents to recognize as we're in the middle of it. Yeah. Right? You, it's, it's a mirror effect. Yeah. They... they see you and they that's how they're learning how to become human totally um i mean of course everybody has their own uh temperament and personality but um uh, from aside from that that is you know our evolutionary way of survival is what does my parents do totally right yeah and i think sometimes that's intimidating for people because they think well if i have to be modeling all the time. I have to be perfect all the time. Goodness, is that not, that is not the human experience. So the, the grace there is transparency. So for me, I'll, we're cooking a, if I'm cooking a healthful meal and my daughter's asking me questions about, you know, adding in something not healthful, I would say, well, you know what? This is what makes us thrive. This this is the, what we're choosing to eat. I'm choosing veggies and protein because that's what my the building blocks my body. You know, so having that kind of running running um, conversation mm-hmm. about it. Well, don't you like ice cream? Well, yeah, I love the taste of ice cream. I don't love how it makes my body feel. It doesn't help me run better in the morning. It doesn't help me show up better for you as a mom. Um, so I'm choosing this other option. Simultaneously, uh, nights when we opt, like, let's just go get the Chinese buffet. And, you know, she'll have the same questions. Like, so we're going to go have some, you know, we're cho- or, you know, whatever, faster, convenient, or processed food. I don't mean to take it out on Chinese food. Right. That's just yes. <laughs> maybe what I'm craving right yeah. now. <laughs> but um, I'll say, you know what? Mom's tired. I didn't have time to to make a meal, so I'm choosing to do this. Is it ideal? No, but I'm going to choose some veggie-dense stuff. I'm going to try to get some protein. I'm going to enjoy the experience, and right now this just is the best that I can do as a human being. So mm-hmm. I think we just have to have the conversations and reflect yeah. on it with them. You certainly don't have to be perfect, but just model 
what that relationship with food is like. And the transparency of the imperfection yes. too, right? Like, yeah. Because that would be just a horrible stress of trying to be perfect oh, all the time. Gosh. And then you'd be projecting that onto your child. Then your child feels like they have totally. to be perfect all the time. They and don't know how to react to a mistake. Totally. Right? And so. then you're trying to be perfect all the time and, and present yourself in this way that's inauthentic. Then you're anxious for kiddo to go to bed so that you can bust the Oreos out of the top shelf that you've been hiding so you can like let loose and be a human and then again we've got this new relationship with food that we're not really inviting in in the most healthful way so yeah yeah, so that's a tough one the other thing with modeling and probably even more importantly is modeling self-image and body awareness Mm, and and it kind of plays into that like I've got here you know, even just responding with, you know, I'm really hungry right now. So, you know, let's sit down and have a snack or now I feel full, like just kind of verbalizing some of those things. Um, I feel good when I eat this. I enjoyed the taste of this, but it made me feel whatever we've talked about. Mm -hmm. Um, But also self-image and body awareness or even your own narratives to food. You know, I've had a really hard day, so I'm going to sit on the couch and eat ice cream and, and have a box of wine and forget about it. And, verbalizing that stuff they're picking up on that yeah so can we say other things instead can we can we say like I feel really good in my skin right now I'm going to choose to eat something different those are some more positive ones but also avoiding like self-deprecating phrases like I'm such a pig I can't believe that I gorged on this I'm so fat Mm -hmm. you know all that stuff that our kids are listening and what we model is so much more important than what we teach. Well, also the, you know, well, if you eat too much of that, then you'll get fat. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then you can, you can verbalize that in so many different ways than attaching it to how your body looks. Totally. Right? Yeah. It's like, if you eat that, then your body's going to feel this way. Totally. And, you know, then it can cause other things. Yeah. But not just like, yeah, if you eat that, you're just going to get fat. Totally. And we've learned so much in research over the years that the chain of events between what you're eating and weight, there's so much that happens in between there. We can't just do cause and effect in that way because I'm sure you've seen very thin people eat chocolate bars and chips and overweight people eat salad and chicken. There's so much more at play in between there. So yeah, attaching a certain body size or weight to a food is definitely yeah it's not no no that's the genetic thing again right totally my uncle died of a massive heart attack he was like super skinny yeah and had a bad diet yeah but yes there's nothing to do with genetic lifestyle relationship to food movement amount yeah like so much more to it hormones 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 but yeah 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 Yeah. But, you know, I think that's one place where we get, we kind of forget that someone's watching us. And maybe we we try not to self-deprecate, but do we invite in the positive stuff? Like, oh man, I feel really good after eating this. Oh man, I just love the way my body feels or even looks right now. Like, oh man, I felt so good on my run today. Like yeah. just celebrating our body's successes and our food successes um, as well, yeah. you know, as, as opposed to just omitting the bad stuff. We can also include the positive stuff. 
which is so important in everyday life of trying to be, you know, the gratefulness and everything like that for, you know, we're talking about nutrition. So for your body and how you're feeding it and how, yeah, the positives of how that makes you feel. Totally. Yeah. 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 I'd really say that that's, that's really the, the foundation of it. But yeah, at the, at the baseline, we want that palette to just be broad and and that's where we're kind of training and we're modeling and we're being transparent about our narratives with food our relationship with our bodies you know even saying like I'm feeling really stressed right now maybe I'm just going to take a few breaths before I eat my meal because I know that sometimes I overeat uh, if I'm really stressed or I'm so tired and I just want to reach for something that's going to give me fast energy like sugar but I know that that's not good for me we Everything that's going on in your head, we can verbalize out loud right. and kind of model. Yeah. yeah. So they can see the process and what's yeah. going on. Yeah. Children around two years start getting food aversion. That's when, um, you know, you have your child has been doing solids for a while. They eat everything. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, your kid was eating bananas like nobody's business last week. And this week, they don't want to touch bananas. Yeah. Um, and also, they'll look at a plate of food and they'll see something they haven't seen before and they won't touch it. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts as far as tools that you can use to help them have a more healthier look at food? And so that they can build those tools to look at something new and go, oh, I might actually give that a try Yeah. later on in life. Yeah, we kind of, in our house, we try things, and we don't just try them once. So, because the palate is ever-changing um, in that in that in those childhood years. So, cool, you, you don't like bananas anymore? I'm going to honor that. Is there, A, is there another way we can do it? Is there something about, like, I might even get curious, because I think for a time, the string... Like if there was pieces of string on them, yes, that was like yeah. a texture issue. So if it's a texture issue, what is it you don't like? I just don't like the taste. Okay, well, we'll try them again another time. But yeah, we'll opt out for something different right now. Including them in the grocery shopping process. Like what would you like to try? What looks kind of fun and exciting that we could give a go? You know, hopefully in the outer aisles and not so much in the middle yeah. aisles. Wouldn't, yeah. yeah. But yeah, so doing that and just inviting in their their curiosity and what do you think it might taste like? Uh, yeah, and then sort of okay, well now tell me and just trying. We just we do try everything and you're allowed to not want any more of it. I think the recommendation is actually to have if you're going to introduce something new, to have two items on the plate that they're familiar with and then only one item that that's new for them um, and just encouraging them to try it and that one time trying doesn't mean they've tried it and you're done with it and don't ever bring it back yeah so it's kind of continuing to open that door and Mm. my daughter says well I really don't like those things well remember how in the past you've changed your mind let's just try this again you might like it now okay you still don't okay I'll honor that and we'll, we'll move on to something else and then at the end of the day you know we are also built to survive. So if they're saying, you know, and this is kind of taking it to an extreme, but if they're saying, I won't eat anything but A&W, well, they're going to eventually eat something other than A&W if you stop buying A&W, right? So where there's 
a plethora of other foods that they enjoy, they're not going to choose those other foods. If those other foods that they enjoy are healthful and whatever, then rad. But yeah, so it's also making sure that what they're eating outside of that, you know, isn't so overwhelming that there's not room for something new. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I've heard about the, so they always say, make sure there's at least one item on the plate that they enjoy. Yeah. And one, and if there's something new, you put a small amount of it on their plate. And also, especially for younger kids, trying something can be as small as licking it. Yeah. Like they may not even eat it and in their mind they've tried it. And being okay with that fact that they think they have tried it. Totally. And yes, and they do recommend reintroducing it periodically not every day not like oh there it is again oh there it is again like you'll bring it back later if they don't like it because yeah their taste buds do change quite frequently and telling your kids about that fact be like hey our taste buds change yeah you know periodically and so let's test today yeah did they change tell me what it tastes like yeah. And then that sparks the curiosity thing again, too, yeah. right? which is fun for them. And it can help you as a parent, because I know lots of parents spend lots of time making food yeah. <laughs> in their life. And it gets pretty frustrating when they when you, you know, you're tired and you've been doing stuff all day and you take the time to make food. And they're like, I'm not eating it. Totally. Yeah. That's a big one. Yeah. And I think. Unfortunately, we come up with the narrative that if they're refusing the meal that we made, they're going to starve. So then we opt to give them something else. So how many parents out there are making multiple meals at one time? Or, you know, kiddo says, I'm full, I'm not eating more of this dinner, but then at bedtime wants the peanut butter jelly sandwich or whatever, right? So extending a bit of grace to ourselves as parents that... You know, kiddo doesn't eat as much dinner, they're not going to die of starvation, no. right? So breakfast the next day is going to be maybe a bigger one. Mm-hmm. And there's a bit of, like, feedback there that they receive that there's one meal or there's these options. And if I choose not to eat it, then then okay. And I'm just going to manage that as opposed yeah. to I'm just going to hold out and then get the jam filled sandwich later right so that's one that can feel uncomfortable for a lot of parents because especially you know as moms who've been nursing or you know we're responsible for feeding infants and that's like what's drilled into you like must get feeds in we think that that's like our primary purpose sometimes um and so to see them not eat something feels wrong but uh in actuality we're we're learning lots of other stuff they're learning lots of other stuff if they they just say no to that and then wake up hungrier the next day Yeah. yeah and that's always been a thing of yeah they're not we they're not going to starve yeah and they then learn that, okay, well, I can't hold out for something else that totally. <laughs> I feel like is more palatable. Totally. <laughs> and a little trick there, too, for, for people who might be struggling with that and with meal times. I think dinner is probably one of the trickiest ones for a lot of families, is snacks. Yes. <laughs> you know, we use snacks for many reasons. But, like, you know, kiddo comes to you and says... 
I'm hungry. Well, that's great because they've at least like initiated it on their own versus, you know, how many of us like kiddos in your face and you're like, why don't you go get a snack? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or even when they're little, you know, like that'll entertain them. I'll just give them all snacks the whole time. Right. We all do that. Mm-hmm. So anyways, snacks. And if they've been snacking most of the day, they're not going to be that hungry at dinner. No. So you want to starve them out. No, <laughs> but you want them to be hungry for a meal yeah. uh, because that's going to be a, a way bigger drive versus, you know, a sugar incentive drive mm-hmm. to eat or some other drive to eat. So, you know, it's three o'clock and kiddo comes and says, well, I'm hungry. You know, same rules apply. They're not going to starve. Okay, well, dinner is at five. What what can we do? Can you help me cook? Can we do X, Y, Z? Sometimes, too, if it seems like it's going to be a long time till a meal, like, well, veggies are always an option until, and if they decline the veggies, well, they're not, not that hungry. That hungry. Yeah. yeah. We, we always, for snacks, especially before a meal, it's always like, well, we got carrots. Yeah. <laughs> we got cucumbers. Yeah. We got tomatoes. We could have apple slices, like, which I know it has the fruit sugars, but I'm like, at least they're getting the fiber. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. And it's not something that's going to fill them. No. Right? It'll yeah. just, if they really are hungry, it'll stave it off. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And if they say, well, I don't want that, and they're off on their merry way playing, like, yeah, no harm, no foul. Yeah. But if we say, okay, like, go have some cereal or go have, especially like a carb dense item like that, then yeah. we're just promoting, you know, I could go on and on about the addiction and blood yeah. sugar and all that stuff. That's all they're going to want at dinner or at bedtime. And, and yeah, they won't feel as or sleep as well even yeah um yeah but yeah yeah so snacks are are a big key player in that and then drinks I'm sure if you've Mm -hmm. been paying attention to dental recommendations as well as the diabetic association uh, children really don't need anything but water um anytime we're doing fruit juices um as quote healthy as they seem like eat the fruit certainly don't drink the drink the drink. Yes. Oh, yeah. I always know when the di- dental hygienist comes here, she brings the Ziploc bag full of sugar cubes yeah. and goes, here's your little box of apple juice. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, all the moms are always like, oh my God. I know. Because you don't think about it. You don't. Yeah. I recently had um, a client who was like, I've finally looked at the the nutritional information on my kombucha, 15 grams of sugar. I was like, did you try looking at, uh, you know, a can of Coke? Like, yeah, it's, um, it's unreal, that stuff. And we sort of think we haven't really eaten. We haven't consumed anything because it's just a drink. But, yeah, jam-packed with that yeah. sugar and, and with no fiber to blunt our response to it. So yeah, it's, so it goes straight. Yeah. Straight in, you get that spike oh, right yeah. away. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I know that some parents do mostly water and a tiny bit of fruit juice. And I'm like, well, you know, yeah, it's not not nearly as much sugar, and if it makes them drink liquid, yeah. But for the yeah, water is, is the best. For and again, your us. palate, your palate building, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I talk to a lot of people who whose kids think that the sparkly waters, like bubbly or whatever, is pop because mm, yep. that's the that's all they've been offered, and what a, what a delight it is to them. So yeah, as soon as we start offering some of that other stuff especially on a regular basis that's all they're gonna sure oh, water definitely. water will be real boring after <laughs> yes. 
after a couple orange crush and and whatever oh, else. Oh man, I know. My we that's what we have. We have uh, we call it fizzy water. Yeah, and they love it. But we were at a party a couple weeks ago, and they had pop available, oh, and they're man. like, "Can we each have a pop?" And I'm like, "You can each have one pop." And man, did they guzzle those things oh, fast? Yeah. Totally. <laughs> Yeah. There was one kid that was holding up the orange crush to his mom, and she's like, how many have you had? And he's like, oh, I've only had two. <sighs> but they're healthy because they're orange. Oh, my gracious. <laughs> and then I just picture them, like, running laps, like, yeah, just yeah. hamsters on a wheel. The oh, house. yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, my God. Yeah. And then the crash and burn. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, exactly. I, and I think about us as kids. I'm like, I drink. Pop. Lots yeah. of pop. Oh, yeah. And I saw... A, that's funny you should say that. I was just at my parents' house, and I saw an old photo album, and it must have been my, like, seventh birthday. And I'm in a circle of kids, and we're all drinking colas. Yeah. Like, now you've got caffeine in yeah. it, too. <laughs> like, oh, man. I can't imagine. Oh, yeah, just wired for sound. Yeah. Yeah. And the connection of, like, caffeine and sugars to your mental state, too. Oh, know, yeah. Right? Like, it's just, yeah, it's, it's all interconnected. Our bodies are amazing systems. Totally. And especially for kids, because a lot of things they're experiencing for the first time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And again, no shame. Like these things happen. Yes. For sure. You know, uh, my daughter's six. She's definitely had a Coke in her life, oh, yeah. uh, you know. And so it's just that reflection is that that conversation about how this makes you feel. Yeah. And like even saying like, I bet you feel like you're on cloud nine right now, don't yeah. you? I don't know why, but for some reason, you always end up going grocery shopping or trying to do something after she's had something like that and it's just like bouncing off the walls mm-hmm. and I'll say like do you feel like it's really hard to to calm down in your body or to like not you know so just inviting just talking about it we're all human and that's really good actually for them to recognize their bodies from an early age yeah like and recognize <sighs> what their body is saying to them yeah because that's a hard thing to learn oh yeah and most adults don't have that no right so being able to be really in tune and in the moment with yourself is an amazing thing to teach your kids to do and for more than just nutrition right like that body awareness and embodiment is pivotal to all sorts of things our mental health yeah like how many times am I how does sadness feel and people just have a blank stare because they've never really reflected on like how anxiety sadness happiness feels in their body so yeah um outside of nutrition the more awareness we can bring to our bodies the better for sure yeah yeah and then they can be in the moment versus somewhere else somewhere else yeah Yeah. totally which is great we don't have to think about taking things out so you know if you're in a position now where your kids are accustomed to eating a certain way or you feel like you're kind of trapped in a cycle of refined grains and stuff and they're not or sugars a compassion like again no shame we're and we've all been fed this too with the canada food guide and with marketing and all that stuff so we are where we are and our kids are getting a lot of that same messaging right like well so and so has dunkaroos or whatever right so here we are but let's 
what I often tell people is just to increase the veggie content. If we can increase the content of other items, it'll make less room for the refined stuff. That doesn't mean it has to be bad or off the table or non-existent, but if we increase the other stuff, then naturally that other stuff starts to, to go to the wayside. It doesn't have to be drastic, can happen over time. But, you know, like inviting in one veggie item at every meet, whatever it, whatever your baseline is, just inviting in more veggies and protein. I, I can't stress enough how important protein is and how much so many of us are, are lacking in it, our children included. And, you know, I think we often think that like peanut butter or cheese are sufficient sources of protein. They're, they're really not. They're wonderful for so many other reasons. If you can tolerate dairy and they have other nutritional value and they do have some protein in them, but like really focusing on protein. Yeah. Yeah. Where we can get it. However, that looks in your family, but yeah, more protein dense items for sure. That's one thing that I do like about the new Canada food guide. Is that it's just a plate. Yeah. And it has half veggies and fruits. Yeah. And a quarter healthy proteins. And what they show as proteins is meats and legumes. Yeah. And then on the bottom half is your carbohydrates and, and complex carbohydrates. Yeah. And so what I found is with myself and also explaining it to families is like you have that visual whenever you're making a plate. And it makes it super easy versus totally. that really horrible pyramid that they used to And have. the base of that, like, do you remember yeah. the base of that yeah. pyramid was just grains <laughs> and cereals and yeah. breads and pasta? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my. <laughs> and it's like, explain what kinds. Just <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So I actually really enjoy that that is your food guide. It's a visual of a plate. And it just shows you, like, ra- a rainbow of different fruits and veg. And then just your quarter of a plate on the other side. Totally. And and it even says on it, too, they're like, and, you know, if you eat your plate and you're still hungry, go back for more fruit and veg. Because yeah. that, that's never ending. You, yeah. you, can, you can never eat enough no. of veg. No. So I, I, I actually enjoyed that as an easy thing for families to actually recognize. Totally. Do you have any suggestions for families that have kids that they've noticed they have a bit of an addictive personality and they really fight them for sugar all the time. I will say that the, like the more proteins and fats you have, the fuller they're going to feel. And it, especially like, I don't know if you noticed on your candida, because I'm sure you, especially in the first two weeks, had tons of cravings. So some research has shown us that healthy fats will will decrease some of those those cravings so offering those other items instead um, and including them more in your meals you know you are the gatekeeper as a parent um so recognizing again you can reflect like i know you really want this however it can we look at the impact it's having on you the more you're eating you know, diversify is another word that I've written here. Um, We really want to diversify. So, you know, my daughter will be like super hooked on cucumbers and all she wants to use cucumbers, cucumbers, cucumbers. And I'll eventually say like in the week, well, you're going to have to pick another veggie because we want to get a different and I'll say, like, cucumbers are a great source of fiber and water and these other minerals, but they don't have a ton of vitamin C. So can we pick oranges, red peppers, or strawberries? I mean, 
that's me as a nutrition counselor. A, a layperson could say, that's a green one. Can we pick one that's a different color just to give you some different stuff? So to apply that to sugar, to say, look, the more your diet consists of these sugars, we're actually missing out on some of these other building blocks. So we're going to have to limit some of these sugars. And being the gatekeeper when they're younger, when they're older, I mean, if, they, if they're high school and they got a wallet and they got a... Yeah gas station I mean some of it is just surrender Um, but you know what you have in the home and what you have available you do have control over so yeah I would say upping fat trying to be as diverse as possible and again conversation conversation about how that impacts them and uh, pick something that might be relevant to them like my daughter really wants to learn French cool gonna have to have some brain food for that yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> so you know yeah, yeah. um if you eat only this you know that doesn't help your brain thrive and help something relevant for her which is french help french come more naturally or you know she'll be really impressed with me that she was able to do something that was hard like bike a certain distance or something i'd be like oh why like do you think that could be because you've been like fueling your body in such an awesome way? And she'd be like, yeah, like probably because of all those veggies I ate or whatever. Yeah. So conversation. Yeah. 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 And working it in a way that, you know, is giving themselves a positive mindset totally. on what they're doing for themselves. Yeah. yeah. How food can serve you. Yeah. Like it really can. So using it as a tool in, in that way. I mean, I find myself so often too, you feel, and I think you're right, it's a generational thing where we need to go for ice cream because it's hot or, or mm. you're my kid's sad, so I should make them X, Y, Z. And then here I am you know, navigating my own landscape of trying not to find refuge in Netflix and a, and a thing of ice cream. So I, even though that's what feels natural, for me to then turn and offer my child choosing to do something different just so that it doesn't perpetuate that same narrative relationship. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that is parenting. A lot of parenting these days is self-reflection. Totally. Yeah. 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 What, what was good and what worked and what maybe I'm going to do something differently. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and who am I? Totally. What kind of parent am I totally. going to be? And who do I want to be? And all those things. It's... Yeah. And no shame to the generation before us. I no. think, you know, I look at that picture of all these kids drinking cola. I, they weren't, it wasn't as common knowledge. Yeah. I mean, people yeah. smoked on airplanes and in doctor's offices not long before that. So they only brought in seatbelts in the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, grace yeah. there. Now yeah, we yeah. know more. So we get to make different choices. Yes, exactly. Yeah. 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 Knowledge is power. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Vanessa. It's always a pleasure having you. I hope to bring you back soon for some more wonderful talks you have you're just this like wealth of information i love it so much oh i i love these conversations with you too they always seem super super easy and natural and hopefully relevant to the community oh definitely yeah yes so thank you so much for joining us and um yeah i look forward to future chats great thanks riding the waves of life is funded by the public health agency of canada and provided by boundary family services 
All equipment was purchased through a grant from the Phoenix Foundation.